As always, I like to align myself to the people who are doing great work to not only promote the city, but to support the young people in the city. Uh, I'm so pleased to have Stacey Jade Mason with me today, founder, the director of Creative Optimistic Visions, who's going to tell me about her history in the city, the work of COV, and perhaps some plans going forward. So Stacey, what a pleasure. Stacey Jade, what a pleasure to have you with me. All right, thank you. Thank you for in- introducing me correctly as well, because I know sometimes it can be a bit of a mouthful or hard to remember. But yeah, it's a it's a real honour to be invited and to be part of the show. As someone that's called Aaron, so there's so many different ways of spelling my name and I get called Aaron, Aaron. We, we always need to make sure we're getting people's names right, particularly organisations and people's names. So go on then, give me an idea then of of how you started in the city. Were you born in the city and kind of growing up in, in Coventry? Yeah, a Coventry born and bred. Um, my my family as well. So it's um, Co- Coventry is, is home and it is a wonderful place to be and somewhere that I'm very proud to, to, to come from, most definitely. And I think that pretty much shows in the fact that the name of the organisation, in short, is COV. And originally, when the idea of COV came about, it was COV first of all, and then trying to find a name to actually fit in with that, which is probably doing things a little bit backwards. But those that know me know that I like to do things a little bit differently anyway. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, was, I was born and raised here, um, moved around different parts of the city um when when I was younger especially and uh yeah it's it's a great place to 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 grow up and a great place to work most definitely so obviously I alluded at the beginning that it's an organization that supports young people give people an idea of what cov is so cov is predominantly a youth and community organization we are a social enterprise so we're a community interest company uh, we're a not-for-profit organization that provides alternative education well-being services one-to-one support and also training uh, with professionals for those that do also work with vulnerable children and families everything that we do is underpinned by the principles and the practices of the protective behaviors process which in a nutshell is all around educating individuals around their right to feel safe more importantly to educate them in such a way where they actually value their own right to feel safe and i emphasize on feeling safe because there's a difference between being safe and feeling safe and ultimately that is the golden thread throughout the the organization it's interesting you say around the feeling safe i'm doing some work with coventry's council around coventry becoming a child-friendly city and we were having something the strap line which was going to be uh, children and young people in the city feel safe uh, no feel like it's a place to grow up in and we did go back and forth on the word make sure and feel and we ultimately went with feel because actually that is the important thing they don't need to know the work that goes on behind the scenes is how they feel and if the work's going on behind the scenes but they don't feel it then it's almost kind of pointless to that child and how they perceive the city yeah and that's the thing and feeling safe can be or feeling unsafe is either a a conscious thing or, or a subconscious thing that and Sometimes you don't know what feeling safe feels like until, unfortunately, you've been in a situation where you felt unsafe. And that's not to say that 
feeling unsafe sometimes is a bad thing because it's impossible to go through life feeling safe all the time. And if you didn't have those moments in life where you didn't, where you, you know, where you felt unsafe, you wouldn't necessarily live a life of adventure. You wouldn't take risks in life where there is a benefit and an outcome, especially in respect of growth. So feeling unsafe is is an important factor. But I think for us, when we're coming through the lens of encouraging people, educating people around their rights and to value that right to feel safe, again, it's around that lens of victimization and abuse. So it's about an arm of safeguarding. It's about an arm of educating people around their rights and their responsibilities for themselves, their responsibility to others. But it's also about encouraging a life of adventure and and growth. Well, I guess it's really important. I think one of the things I saw of yours early doors was the uh, online safety. And I guess that's important to recognise feeling unsafe. Because if you're feeling safe, it's recognising that if you feel unsafe, this is what you should do. If you're you're not aware of the fact that you feel unsafe, then you might not recognise that that's what's happening. And I guess, so that was a project you ran, wasn't it? The online stuff. Was it around... um, victims of online abuse and bullying we've we've not necessarily done anything specifically around online uh, stuff as a, as a kind of like a project ultimately it's always been about the broader sense of what feeling safe feels like if we feel unsafe this is this is how it might feel and it's about recognizing simple strategies to enable us to take action. I think there's a lot of material out there that would pinpoint certain things that someone should do if they feel unsafe or if they are unsafe or highlight certain people that they could speak with. But actually, who's to say that those people that we're recommending that individual wouldn't feel safe speaking with that person because of their experiences and and so on. So it's about... It's about educating in a way where you're promoting an element of choice and strategies that fits in and applies to that individual in in respect of the way they think, the way they feel, and ultimately their abilities as well, their abilities in order to actually take action. So let's think of a, um, a pathway then. So give me an idea of a typical, not that there is a typical young person that comes through COV um, and the education you're giving them to prepare them for something like that. Have you got an idea of of kind of what that could look like? Yeah, and I think it all depends on how the individual is introduced to to the company in the first place. So, for example, it could be that we are contacted by professional agencies, whether that be other voluntary sector organisations or the local authority. And the call is we've got a young person who is struggling with attending school. School non-attendance is a, is a, is a big thing that we've seen, especially since uh, post-COVID. A lot of young people are struggling with education for one reason or another. So from an education route, so that might be the initial call. First and foremost, it's about creating a space where the young person actually freely wants to attend and participate with COV. So we're very, very informal. We're very informal anyway. Um, But so initially it's going to be, okay, 
would the young person feel safe coming to meet us here? Literally to have a cuppa and chat. Then they get a visual of, of the centre. They get, and I say it's a centre, essentially it's like a three-bedroom flat above a shop. But again, I'm not discounting that because if anything, that's probably what makes it feel quite homely. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's all we're doing. We're literally giving young people that insight so it doesn't feel so cold, giving them a bit of an idea as to what we do finding out more about them in regards to their likes, their dislikes. And then they have a choice. They have a choice whether they then wish to engage. It's not mandatory to come here. And uh, it's very important to make that very clear to all the people that, that choose to engage with us. It's exactly that. They have a choice. And if you do choose to engage, you just might get somewhere out of it. You never know. <laughs> and I'm sure they do. And I've seen firsthand the kind of the work that you do and the work of the organisation. When they, when the young person then decides to engage, give me an idea of what that could look like then. The majority of our programmes are accredited. So people will achieve a qualification at the end of coming on one of our courses, whether it be our urban arts course, whether it be our mentoring qualification, whether it be our Confident Me programme, just to name a few. Everything again they learn the protective behaviours process. So the same training that we deliver to professionals, our young people will be in receipt of that same knowledge, just taught in a different way. And they learn about it more from an aspect of their personal development as to how the process is going to benefit them. Whereas when we train professionals, it's that, it's it's exactly that. It's about how does this process process benefit you as an individual but also how does it benefit you with your professional hat on and transferring those skills um, onto the people that you work with because I believe that if you go on a training course and you genuinely don't value or believe in what it is that you're being taught that's going to affect how you practice but anyway going off tangent now so young person will then come on on a course and do you know what? We ask a lot. We ask we ask a lot of our young people because we are inviting them to really take a step back and to think, to reflect, to feel, to acknowledge. And that can be deep. It is deep and it's hard. And it's hard for anyone to do, let alone being a young person. So Whilst we do the education side of things, we will also provide that additional one-to-one mentor and support because we're all on a journey and that's the way that I see it is that we're walking with our young people as, as part of their journey. And then say for everything's got a timeline in respect of, especially if you're delivering a qualification, this is how long it lasts for, but very, very rarely is that the last time that our young people or people will be engaging with the service because they then transition into still being in receipt of one-to-one support. They progress onto another course. They engage with our youth and community services. So most of the time when someone comes under the wing of COV, it's, it's very rarely that they uh, then drift uh, too far away. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that I really like is that that idea of them becoming their mentors and then being able to support kind of the next cohorts coming through. Yeah. 
uh, what would be the benefit to the young person of being able to be a mentor to somebody else? Well, I think it's all very good doing the theory, um, you know, putting certain things into practice when, especially in respect of personal development. But if you've got ambition and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that we work with that come through our doors where they they want to be in a position where they're ready to help others. And that's that's with our young people, also with the adults that come on our um, education courses as well, because we do we do uh, teach adults as well. And there is a phrase that I remember, you know, a few years back when I personally was was in therapy and um my therapist said oh we're we're what's called a wounded healer so we we've been wounded and we want to transfer that energy to help heal others and that's something that i see with a lot of people that engage with with cov and so i think what it is it's it's constantly layering those foundations in order to just become a strong individual for themselves but then the benefit of having the opportunity of supporting others is that they then help benefit the lives of someone else but I'm a big believer is you learn more when you teach you learn more when you put things into practice you learn more when you engage with others you learn from everyone that you meet um it's your choice as to what you do with it with those learnings um but yeah so i think that's that's the benefit and then the different opportunities then that can can come about for those young people that have progressed because then it's like actually i'm ready to go and seek employment well they can come to us as a as a reference now because they've had work experience with us or or so on so there's so many different benefits for the actual individual that's making that transition to become a mentor but then also for the young people that they, they work with. Well, I guess they've seen that that person's delivered it or has taken part of it already so they can talk from experience rather than an outsider saying this is what you should do, it's this is what I did. Most definitely and that's the beauty. Young people are the best role models and then it's about understanding, especially from my perspective, when that transitioning is happening, it's like, okay, what's my role now? Because if you think about day one, before the this transition's met, I'm the teacher, I'm the mentor, the role model, so on, whatever you want to say. But then as time goes on, it, you know, my role will then change state in a sense because it's about giving that opportunity and those and knowing and believing and trusting that your, your young people that you've worked with, they have these skills and, and they can... And they can, so so it, they're the ones now that become the role models, the mentors. And uh, so from my perspective, it, it changes state then in regards to my role, but it's beautiful to uh, to see, yeah. So you mentioned that um, so many of the young people who come through are maybe not attending school at the moment, et cetera. Is the, is the plan to get them back to go to school or is the plan to skill the upskill them in a different kind of way that is different to kind of normal nine to five education? Bit of both really. I think there's a lot of review at the moment in respect of education. School doesn't suit everyone and that's okay. And I think it's about creating an environment where first of all young people feel safe. It's about having an environment where there is consistency and adults around that look beyond how young people may present. Behaviour is a form of communication and it's about seeing beyond that 
and asking the questions why and creating a space where you provide opportunities that works and enhances people's strengths. Everyone learns differently. Everyone's got different skill sets and it's about tapping into that because again, that will have an impact on that individual's self-esteem and confidence. But then all the other skills that you know are required to gain employment or further education, you can teach that through the areas of interest and strengths that that young person has so and i think that's the the benefit of of an organization like ours is that you know we don't have large groups so we will not have a group any larger than six to eight um in our in our education groups because you've these people need your time and quality and so it's not about spreading yourself too thin where you can't give them what they need in order for them to flourish yeah i guess kind of the school system education system really i felt when i was younger kind of pushes you towards employment and yeah. when i finished I, when i finished education i then got a corporate job and worked for the nhs for 10 years it's only been the last five years where i've kind of gone and done my own thing that i now have got that more entrepreneur spirit in me that I don't ever think was really promoted at school. Whereas I know that some of the courses you offer can be around that for the young people, or actually employment might not necessarily be for them, but starting their own business might be. And I think you said there was a course coming up soon that's going to look to kind of address some of that or support some of that. Yes. So just to on the first point there with, with education, I mean, I left school with hardly any GCSE. School just wasn't really for me, but but I went, there, there wasn't really anything there that, that interested me. It wasn't till later on, really, that I found the love of learning. And that was when I was I was an adult. You know, I, I did, I got into college on my interview based on my attitude towards the course. It weren't the grades that got me on it. And I was very fortunate that my tutor gave me that opportunity. And I was very, very poorly at the times while and uh, I was a young mom. I was really ill, but and I was in and out of hospital. And I remember I got three distinctions on that college course, and then got a scholarship into uni. This is a kid that didn't really get any. I didn't really get any GCSEs. None that are worth shout. I got unclassified in a couple of them, but and that's what I'm saying. So, and I tell that story to to the young people that I work with because, like you say, school is. It's like we're in a system and the world's changing and we say employment. Well, what does employment look like? Because when I was at school, the whole employment, again, it's about working for someone else. And and that's okay. That's fine. But actually, where's where's that um, education on building those aspirations for, for people to really take ownership and do something that they want to do, where more importantly, they're actually going to feel happy and fulfilled? Um, because you work for a very, very long time. So, but yeah, so in regards to the to the second part, we do next year. We have been commissioned by the NHS Commentary and Warwickshire Partnership Trust as part of their Vanguard projects. We've been commissioned by them to write, develop and deliver a very, a very exciting course opportunity for young people and I am buzzing 
because it's it brings both of my worlds, so to say, together. The idea is that we invite young people that are being supported by the Positive Pathways Service from the local authority and the NHS. We invite young people that are engaging with that service to be part of the Changes Programme, which is an accredited programme all around personal development, education around protective behaviours, of course, with the added element of uh, social entrepreneurship. So young people will be learning around personal development, business in the community, um, business and money management. And the exciting thing about it is that it's not just all going to be talk. Young people are, are actually going to have the opportunity to pick and trial out their, their business ideas with uh, mentorship from myself and support from the university as well um, in order to really hopefully ignite some 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 fire in their belly. So it's about sowing seeds, it's about personal growth and development, but it's actually providing the resources, the time, the tutelage, the mentorship to actually potentially start watering and nurturing those seeds. So yeah, it's very, very exciting. So that's due to start in January 2023. It's really interesting. I did some um, work experience. I had, I, had, I had 10, 15 young people from Bars Hill do some work experience with me. Um, and the, the teachers were saying to me, as an external person, you can say things to them that we can't. Yeah. So there'd be things like when we were having our... Um, catch-up sessions if they yawned I could just call them out and say you yawning what are you yawning for you know if that was in a, an official business meeting or you were with, with potential investors and you're yawning you look bored or I could call out things like when if they were late I would they just kind of walk in I said no right have some kind of excuse ready here or some reason why like sorry I'm late my bus right you know like and, and almost try and, and be professional whilst recognizing that they are young and they are developing I think that, like you talked about going on to your college course, it's attitude. It's That's what people want to root for, yeah. is people who are trying. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, uh, by the sound of it, the course you're going to run is actually real-life experience rather than just education. Yeah, of course. And it's finding that balance because, like you say, if they're yawning or, they're, or if they're coming in late, in my mind, it's why. But then secondly... Like you say, you want to be able to get them in a position that they're going to grow. They're going to be adults. Children are adults of the future. So the phrase I would always use is, is so kind of like rather than taking the approach of coming down on them, it would be checking in and then being like, this is how you play the game. Because playing the game is if you come in late, What's the justification for that in the workplace, this, that and the other? Right now at this moment in time, is everything okay as in the reason why you're late? So it's about showing them the, the two sides of that, that coin really. So right here, right now, you're late, is everything all good? Checking in. But then in another sense, it's maybe being mindful of that and then in class talk or whatnot, it's then right, okay, these are the rules of the game and this is how you play the game and this is how to be punctual. Why is it important to be punctual? Well, because these are the expectations, you know, which are sometimes not great, but unfortunately you've got to play the game to a certain extent. Which I guess is why patterns of behaviour is really important, is that anyone can be late on a day, anyone could have stayed up, 
playing computer games the night before and are yawning. Yeah. I guess it's about seeing patterns and I guess having a course that runs for a longer period yeah. gives you a chance to pick up stuff like that. Of course it does. And also it's about, and once you get to really, really know someone and listen, if they're coming to me every week, that's a win because they don't have to. They're, they're, they're coming to me every week. So already that's a win. The further on your relationship develops, that's where you can um, challenge more in a positive way, but more so in, a, in, a, in an aspect where, again, it's sowing those seeds of thought. So, for example, if you're up all night gaming or whatnot, but at the same time you're proper buzzing about this idea, but you're really, really tired and crass, well, what are you valuing more right now? You know, so again, it's kind of like, where are your values at right now? It doesn't. There's no right or wrong as to what answer you pick. But let's 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 have a look at that. It could be that they go to bed slightly earlier. They still do what they do the night before, but go to sleep before half eleven. So then it's kind of like, okay, so there's no point in me saying to you go to bed at ten o'clock because you're just setting. It's it's unreal. But like you said, Aaron, it's kind of like saying, okay, they value both, right? So. What can we do there? What can you do there? Because you you are responsible for these choices right now between gaming and you being really excited about this this idea and wanting to put it into play. What can you do here? Well, I can finish an hour earlier. Sound. Then the following week, it might be an hour and a half earlier. You know, it's all about small steps progression because a small step is better than no steps. And it's, it's the difference between feeling that you're owning your decisions and being told what to do i've got two young boys and we're in the middle of the world cup at the moment and oscar wanted to watch the football so i was going out to watch it and i said to my wife sarah i said tell him that he can go to sleep when he wants to when he feels tired and i kind of set in that task and said right it's school day the next day i don't want you to miss out because your friends are no doubt going to be watching it but when you start feeling tired i want you to make a decision you're going to go to bed and i think that was different to even a year ago I think I would have said to him, right, go sleep at 60 minutes. But I thought, actually, let him feel that he's made a decision. And then when I got back, Sarah said to me, oh, he went to sleep after the third goal and he, and he kind of went to, went to sleep because he was starting to do on. Yeah. And I think that, I guess, that's a similar type of practice that you're trying to do is give them the ownership of their own decisions. And also, the, the thing there is that you, that's, that's, not only is it ownership and, and choice there, Aaron, but you've actually brought in acknowledgement of feelings there the acknowledgement of physically feeling tired um, and the permission of, one, it's okay to go to bed when you're tired because there's many people that will fight that feeling of feeling tired and staying awake for so adults and children do it. Um, and I, I remember having a similar thing with my son years ago and he was about two or three. And at that age, they, you know, a lot of the time you will hear parents saying, oh, they don't want to go to bed. The bedtime routine is a challenge. And I remember my, my son coming up to me and he said, Mom, I want to go to bed now. I'm feeling tired. And um, and I was very much on my, my training journey at the time when, when I had Mace. And, uh, and, uh, and I thought, yeah, you know, it's such a young age. He acknowledged how he was feeling and, and there's the choice. And, you know, never touch wood. Um, if we had a battle with, with bedtime because because of that ownership. Yeah. yeah. And my thought was, was he could then go to school the next day and if England scored four and he missed the last one and his friends are saying to him, did you see the fourth goal? 
he can then say, no, because I went to bed because I was tired, rather than saying, I went to bed because my mum and dad told me I had to go to bed at that time, and then suddenly he's, I don't know what it was like at school, I'm sure you do as well, of, of kind of having to try and play up to your friends, and football is, is a big sport, in general is a big unifier, but it can also be quite devising, in terms of, Oscar always says that he's not the best playing football, and suddenly he becomes separate to the people that are good at football, but the good thing that Oscar's doing is recognise that he isn't the best, but he's trying, and then suddenly they want to support him then because he's not pretending he's the best. Um, and I think being in control of your emotions and decisions, I guess, is something that's really key for young people. Yeah, and I also think as well with that sense of ownership, it's exactly like you said, the the, the group's attitude towards him now has changed because because he's owning that. And I think sometimes if we don't own or have those insecurities and um, that shows, people will prey on that. And um, so I think that sense of ownership again is 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 really important in respect of how others will then interact and and, and behave towards us most definitely. Says Jade, an absolute pleasure to sit down with you. A uh, huge admirer of you. I'm always I'm always liking people who are self made entrepreneurs that are trying to do their their thing because they they're they're passionate about something. Uh, and you are definitely one of those people. Been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple of years. Even more so now COVID's kind of open and we can bump into each other in town and stuff again. Keep up the amazing work. I know that 2023 is going to be a big year all round. So I look forward to see what you do during that time. Thank you, Aaron.